Hey everybody, it's Eric. Remember, no man is a failure who has friends. Hey guys, this is Joe. What's it you want, Mary? What do you want? You want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Mary. Well, who are you? I told you, George, I'm your guardian angel. What is it you want, Mary? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Welcome home, Mr. Bailey. Sandimental hogwash. I wish I had a million dollars. Mr. and Mrs. Martini, welcome home. This is what I wished for. You see, George, you really had a wonderful life. You're listening to Worth the Late Fee, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think that the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. What's new, Joe? Merry Christmas. Merry almost Christmas. Merry Christmas Eve Eve. Yeah, yeah. Merry Christmas Eve Eve. Uh, What's going on? Anything new? Nothing. No. uh, Finishing up. Well, I, I mean, like this is this is like the final hours of the binge. So I'm trying to get down some classics before. I mean, I, I might linger over into like right before the new year, but I want to watch some like the important films before Christmas Day. So yep. got to watch the Flintstones. Come out this, I mentioned last time the Flintstones special. I'm going to be watching this again, actually, tomorrow night. My family. It's a wonderful life. Yeah. Yes. And then I always end up with Polar Express. So, my, so my, spoiler my alert, you guys already heard our quote in the trailer, but today, <laughs> yeah. today I just said it. Today's episode is a wonderful life. Yeah, I so have um, any plans. No, no, nothing crazy. But if anyone hears any like what sounds like gunshots, I'm having my basement kind of ref or finished a little bit. So there's guys working a couple floors down. So if there are any loud noises, I apologize, but it shouldn't be too bad. Um, you've been watching anything good? No, not not Besides really. The holiday stuff. Yeah, this was pretty much the holiday stuff, and I'm gonna get back into like my typical like TV shows. I was you know getting caught with all those right to the holidays, but right now I'm just trying to a little crunch time. So I've been watching a ton of movies because kind of laying low, going to the holidays, trying to, you know, not, I'm not going out really. I just want to be a little safe with everything going on before I see my family. So I have a movie that I watched for the first time and you're going to be disappointed that it was my first time watching it. Uh, a couple of days ago, I watched Uncut Gems. Oh, what you think of that movie, man? How intense I is that? I loved it. Right? I loved it, dude. And if you're one of those people, most of these people are around my age that won't give Adam Sandler a chance to do anything, you know, other than be Billy Madison or whatever, like a goofy comedy. You're crazy because he was so good in this. And you know who else was pretty good? It was Kevin, Kevin Garnett. Garnett. I know. He he took the spot. I had the top spot for an NBA player in a great movie. It was Ray Allen as Jesus Shuttlesworth, and he got what? game, and, and Kevin Garnett took the spot from him. Wasn't Shaquille O'Neal and Kazam? Come on. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal is the worst. He's the you know, if Ray Allen and KG are like the as good as that's best case scenario, Shaq and Kazam <laughs> is the worst case scenario. And then another movie I watched is uh, 
my wife has picked up my love for Denzel Washington and I love it. So we're pretty much like at this point where we're just like, if Denzel Washington's in a movie, we'll watch it. So we watched the other day, the first Equalizer, definitely not his greatest movie, but it was entertaining. And that's, and so, and that's what I like about Denzel Washington is like, if the Equalizer had anyone else other than Denzel in it, it would have been, we would have turned it off in like five minutes, but he's so likable and charming that you're like, you know what? I'll, I'll finish this movie, Denzel. Yeah. So yeah. that movie was filmed good. out locally too, which is pretty it cool. It was, it was filmed yeah. in our city. Yeah. And, so. it, and, and uh, one of the cool things is like they, a lot of the, he worked in, this isn't a spoiler. He works in a, um, a hardware, it's like a Home Depot. It's not Home Depot, but it's like a Home Depot. And Joe and I live right on, right on 97, Joe, where that used to be a Lowe's. Whenever there are scenes in that, in where he works, I'm like, oh, Denzel Washington's on 97 right now, even though the movie is like seven years old or whatever. But and then lastly, I also rewatched White Men Can't Jump. What a classic. I love that movie. So rewatchable. It's like hour and 45 minutes or so. Doesn't get enough attention, in my opinion, for, for, and I, and I think part of it is like the title and people are weird about that, but the movie is so good. I, it's, it's such a fun watch. So, um, like we said, we kind of spoiled it already, but we're doing the, maybe the most classic Christmas or probably like miracle on 30. It's one of the, it's up in, it's in the top. Yeah. I, I think, like, I think this is heavy. Uh, yeah. Like you said, I think this might take the hounds because of his history. Right. So we're, we're watching uh it's a wonderful life from 1946 and I'm drinking. Uh, it's called such a night double IPA from zero gravity brewing in Vermont. It's delicious. I picked it up uh, this morning actually at, at unofficial sponsor of the pod RMA in Amesbury. Um, this is kind of a, again a mutual pick a little bit it was joe's pick but we kind of were in agreement on this one so we can well what do you why'd you pick it what, what's your memory of the film what do you just, why do you think it's needed to be our, our movie just like you said this kind of i think is like the definitive christmas film for a lot of people um i used to watch it every year on cbs on tv on christmas eve so like my memory is always kind of being excited for this movie to come on tv um i don't really watching tv as much anymore because i have like the 4k restoration and all that so i have better medias to watch it on with my family but just growing up with this being on tv every year was just kind of a fun memory and something i look forward to or before the christmas day yeah i think the first I've, I've seen this movie quite a few times and i think the first few times i didn't pay it the attention that i should have because it was one of those movies that a teacher would let us watch like a day or the last day before Christmas vacation, because it was like when they, they really, they didn't want to do anything. That's what the, the reason was, but it, it's one of those movies where it's like, it's old. So they can kind of be like, Oh, it's a classic and they can get away with it with, with their supervisor. So, but then as an adult, I, I sat down and rewatched it a few times and, and I love it. I remember loving it going into this. So I was, I was pretty pumped to, to talk about it. Um, do you have any stats as far as how it did? financially? I do. Yeah. So it's Wonderful Life came out on December 20th, 1946, and had a budget of $3.18 million, making $3.3 million in the box office. It was run by Francis Goodrich, Albert Hackett, and Frank Capra. Francis and Albert were married and were involved with uh, three recognized films, such as A Thin Man and Father, Father of the Bride, the 1950 version, both of which were nominated for Academy Awards for screenwriting. And other than being a screenwriter for the film, Frank Capra also directed it. He was an amazing filmmaker, as we all know, with movies still considered timeless, such as It Happened One Night, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, 
and uh, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. And he, I believe he won a couple of these won. He was an Oscar for a Academy Award for it. And he also won Best Director for uh, uh, You Can't Take It With You. Uh, so, yeah, quite, quite a, a resume he has there. And I mentioned this a little a second ago with Eric here, but this movie was not a success in the box office. It, as you can tell, didn't make money, unfortunately. But with CBS getting the rights, I think it went, I think on public domain. I can I can't I can be wrong, but CBS started airing it way back when, and that's what made this movie much more popular, getting it out there out there so other people can see it. Um, so it's kind of cool little history behind this one as a failure, but getting the recognition it deserves because of broadcast TV. Yeah, my uh, when you say the name Frank Capra, the first thing I think of is and this is like one of my favorite. No, I won't say it's one of my favorite parts, but like when I sat down to rewatch it, I was kind of going through the motions a little bit. And then when it opens with just the old school Hollywood where the credits are someone literally pulling pieces of paper away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I love that. I was like, I, I stuff like that is is obviously it's kind of an imperfection sort of thing, but it's I love it. So um as far as how it was received critically, <clears throat> did very well, as you can imagine. So 8.6 out of 10 on IMDb, 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. And like we said, it's in the top five of, if you look up any best Christmas movie, best holiday movie, you know, it's going to be probably number one, two, or three. Um, I did find a review of this one for Roger Ebert. He wrote this review in 1999, gave the film uh, four stars. And uh, this is a quote from his review, from his review, sorry. Frank Capra never intended It's a Wonder It's a Wonderful Life to be pigeonholed as a Christmas picture. This was the first movie he made after returning from service in World War II, and he wanted it to be special. A celebration of the lives and dreams of Americans, America's ordinary citizens who tried their best, who tried the best they could to do the, the right thing by themselves and their neighbors. And <clears throat> that's the end of the quote from, from Mr. Ebert, but re-watching this. That's what stuck out the most to me is, you know, you hear everyone talk about the greatest generation of the World War II generation and, and how they all just kind of did what they had to do for the, the people next door and, the, you know, the, their, their country. And this movie is different now than it would have been if I watched it five years ago. And, I, and I've seen it before, but just the kind of the, the scene, and we'll get into it when I talk about my, fa- my favorite scene, but it had this it just feels different watching this now when you, you hear of all these people with small businesses and supporting small businesses and, and everything. It, it was it was great and and it's also way less of a it's it's a Christmas movie, don't get me wrong, but a lot of it is a dark movie. You know, it, it stuff it's going poorly for a lot of this movie, which is is a little bit different than I remembered it. So um you said it came out, what did you say, December of forty six? Yes. Okay. So that's what I saw too. I saw a few different release dates for this because of the premiere in the US, which is, and it, this is weird. It first premiered in the United States in New York City. Okay. Makes sense. LA makes sense. In Minneapolis, Minneapolis in December of 46. <clears throat> it was released nationally in January of 47. So since I'm not too familiar with those months, they're a little bit before I was born, I'm going to give some releases in film from both months. In December, The Yearling came out with Gregory Peck. Uh, it had Gregory Peck, Jane Weinman, and a few others. Also, Duel in the Sun, another one with Gregory Peck, a Western, with Lionel Barrymore, who we're going to talk about in a little bit. 
and uh, Jennifer Jones, Joseph Cotton, and the next month, so now we're to January of 47, that had uh, Forever Amber with uh, Linda Darnell and Cornell Wilde, Until the Clouds Roll By with Judy Garland, Lena Horne, Angela Lansbury, and Frank Sinatra. In the news those two months, uh, I didn't have a ton because I, I'll be honest, I'm not, I'm, I'm sure there was some super important stuff, but I, since it's a, it's a ways ago, I, I don't really know what's most important, but I have Harry Truman created this Committee on Civil Rights and Gandhi began his March for Peace in East Bengal. Bengal. Um, but whenever you talk about 46 or any time in the 40s, maybe even early 50s, it is crazy to think, so this came on December 46. So people like James Stewart and, and other people involved in the film, maybe a year or two before this, they were in Europe fighting a war. Yeah, and then they, <laughs> they came home and just turned up movies like this. It's, it's kind of nuts. But um, anyway, do you have the, the back of the, I don't even know what it would be, not the VHS, back of the roll, the reel of footage. I have, this movie must have come out on every medium. I can't even imagine what it was put out on, but um, George Bailey has so many problems. He is thinking about ending it all. And it's Christmas. As the angels discuss George, we see his life in a flashback. As George is about to jump from a bridge, he ends up rescuing his guardian angel, Clarence, who then shows George what his town would have looked like if it hadn't been for all of his good deeds over the years. Love that. That's a, that's a good description. The only thing I would, the only problem I have with that is, and I thought this rewatching it, and I kind of just said it a minute ago, that is a summary of the last half hour of this movie. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, so, some major cast members and everyone going into this movie. So you talked about uh, Frank Capra. So you kind of gave his resume. I'm not going to go into all of it, but I do have to mention a little fun fact that he often said that this is his favorite of all of his films. Uh, as far as the cast, George played by James Stewart, Jimmy Stewart, whenever I hear Jim, uh, James Stewart, or we just did a, a Hugh Grant. We did last episode. I think of, did you ever see the old Dana Carvey stand up skit? Yes. Where he talks about uh, Jimmy Stewart. Oh, no. Um, uh, Hugh Grant and the prostitute. And then he's doing like the Jimmy Stewart impression. Yes. That's all I can think of. So the fact that we did them back to back just coincidentally <laughs> is kind of funny. Um, so uh, James Stewart. Again, this is a this is a the greatest generation resume. So actor. You know, one of the most famous actors of his generation, if not the most. <clears throat> graduated Princeton. He was a pilot in World War II. It's just one of those things where you read his life and you're like, wow, I'm a loser. <laughs> uh, uh, as far as film, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, Winchester in 73, The Glenn Miller Story, uh, Rope with uh, Albert, Alfred Hitchcock, Rear Window, The Man Who Knew Too Much, Vertigo, Anatomy of a Murder, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, multiple Academy Award nominations for Best Actor, Best Supporting, also, Presidential Medal of Freedom. So, again, we're all losers. What? It's fine. We have actually, we, my brother has a poster of uh, Stuart's autograph from way back one from like, yeah. So, like, is it real? That, yeah, it's real. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's real. Yeah. He signed it with, it's a picture of him as like a pilot. It's like a big poster board. So, it's pretty cool, actually. That's very cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Who, uh, I curiously, do you watch, I'm not sure how, how from you all the actors, but between, Jim Stewart and Cary Grant because it's always like the kind of like back and forth from this era like those like the two top dogs do you prefer one over the other or 
I probably before, prefer uh, James Stewart just because I love Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like, I actually, I actually like really like Gregory Peck because I like uh, yeah, To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Um, but as far as Cary Grant movies, I don't, I know I've seen some of his movies, especially when I worked in movie scene, like I've seen um, the Philadelphia story. Um, I've seen some other ones. Like I can't think of any of them right now. Oh, North by Northwest. I really like. Yeah. So, um, but I think I'd still go with Jimmy Stewart just because I think of, it would be a, kind of an uneducated guess because I haven't, I'd have to really sit down and watch, watch them. But um, yeah, off the top, just, you asking me right here on the spot, right, I was yeah. James Stewart. What about you? No, yeah, my, my brother and I always have this like kind of conversation because, like you said, both of them are really good. They both have a great resume. Um, I think I love James Stewart, and I love her. Like it really does come down to two of them around this era for me. But I think Cary Grant, I like some more of his movies, just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, his Girl Friday is one of my favorite like slaps to comedies of all time. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, that watch it because that movie is aged so well. The dialogue so fast. But James Stewart, whenever he's in, like, whenever they're both in a movie, you're completely focused on their performance over right. all the others. Right. Yeah. He was, he was definitely on another level than some of the, than most of the other people in this, in this one. Um, Donna Reed, who plays Mary, and I'm going to say this about, this goes for, uh, for Donna Reed, who plays Mary, and uh, Violet Beck is played by Gloria Graham. So Gloria Graham and Donna Reed, they both just have that, like, women in the 40s 50s like that classic hollywood beauty where their faces are just perfect and they're not wearing anything right crazy like revealing and they just they look like like paintings or something but um so she played mary she received the academy award for best supporting actress for her work and from here to eternity and also known for the known for the donna reed show uh and dallas the tv show so more she's probably more famous or equally famous for tv lionel barrymore who played the kind of the villain of the movie uh, potter another uh crazy life just like george his when you look at his filmography it starts in 1911 with silent film work so <clears throat> that i was i thought that was a mistake i was like no this came with the same guy um and this role landed him we were just talking about another great villain in Die Hard. This role landed him on AFI's 100 Heroes and Villains list. Um, and he also worked as Ebenezer Scrooge in Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol radio broadcast back in the day where every year they would just broadcast across the country on the radio. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I know that, yeah. Yeah. He was in Grand Hotel in 1932. You Can't Take It With You in 1938. Both won Academy Award for Best Picture. Um and he uh, he won Best Actor for Free Soul in 1931. So another impressive career. Uh, Henry Travers, probably my favorite character in this one. I mean, he's kind of supposed to be, but he plays uh, Clarence Oddbody, Angel, Second Class. Uh, this is his biggest role, but he also got an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actor in Miss Miniver. But he was just so likable in this one. And, and again, he's supposed to be. And then Violet Bick, played by Gloria Graham, like I said, just a, a classic beauty, nominated for Best Supporting Actress in Crossfire in 1947. She won the award, uh, Best Supporting Actress, for The Bad and the Beautiful in 1952. She starred opposite Humphrey Bogart in, in A Lonely Place in 1950. She's also in Sudden Fear, The Big Heat, Human Desire, Oklahoma. And uh, one cool thing about her career is that, that I saw was that MGM, after this movie, 
they kind of just didn't think they had the rights to her. They had her under contract and they didn't think that she had it or whatever, you know, however you want to say it. So they cut her loose. And then all of those movies that I lived, so they cut her loose in 1947. So she got nominated for Best Supporting Actress in Crossfire in 47. So let's assume that was when she was with MGM. I don't have it right in front of me, but after that, she won the award for Bad and Beautiful in 52. And then she went on that run with, you know, starring with Humphrey Bogart and doing all those big movies after the fact. So I always love a story when someone's like, you know, they kind of counted you out and then she comes back and shows them that they were wrong. So quite the career. Um, do you have anything as far as trivia, fun facts, behind the scenes stuff? I have a few. I, I, I have uh, four of them. There's kind of like ones that people might know, but I, if they don't, I just find them always interesting. For the scene that required Donna Reed to throw a rock through the window of the Granville house, director Frank Capra hired a marksman to shoot it out on cue. To everyone's amazement, Reed broke the window by herself. She had played baseball in high school and had a strong throwing arm. Love that fact. I saw that. That was pretty cool. It made me think about a League of Their Own. Yeah. As Uncle Billy drunkenly leaves the Billy home, it sounds as if he stumbles into some trash cans on the sidewalk. In fact, a crew member dropped a large tray of uh, props right after Thomas Mitchell went off screen. James Stewart began laughing, and Mitchell quickly improvised, I'm all right, I'm okay. Dr. Frank Capra decided to use that take in the final cut and gave the stage uh, the stagehand a $10 bonus for improvising the sound. So... Extra ten bucks there. Ten dollars for a stagehand in nineteen forty-five ish. Let's right. say that's 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 a good, yeah. that's a good chunk of change. I, th- I thought that was funny too when um George was talking about his salary and how much he makes and how much he takes home and stuff. It's like, whoa, that's you know, know. different times. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. James Stewart. This one I'm kind of talking about what you talked about, what you mentioned before about coming back from the army. Um, James Stewart was nervous about the phone kiss scene because it was his first on-screen kiss since his return to Hollywood after the war. Under director Frank Capra's watchful eye, Stewart filmed the scene in only one unrehearsed take, and it worked so well that part of the embrace was cut because it was too passionate to pass the censors. That's a good one. I One of the things I, I, I made a note of, and then I deleted it because it's like, when we talk later about stuff that wouldn't fly, it's actually the next category. It's stuff that wouldn't fly in today's environment. One of the things that was like making me uncomfortable, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's like inappropriate, but it was just the way oh, so Hollywood aggressive. kisses. Yes. <laughs> the way Hollywood kisses and embraces were back then. It almost looks like the lady doesn't want you to kiss her, but she does. So, but right. the yeah. exaggerated, like dramatic kiss. Yeah. And they're like grabbing each other's faces. I'm like, oh, that has to hurt. But sorry, go ahead. My last fact is <clears throat> while filming the scene in which George prays in the bar, James Stewart was so overcome that he, beca- that he began to sob. Frank Capraleo reframed and blew up the shot because he wanted to catch that expression on Stewart's face. This is why the shot looks so grand compared to the rest of the film. Which I know that actually. That's kind of, I actually learned this for this uh, episode. It's kind of cool. I didn't either. And that is it's good director. Good director yeah. work. Um, so I just have a few. You, t- you had some of the same ones that I did, which is good. The set for Bedford Falls was constructed in two months and was one of the longest sets that has ever been made for an American movie. It covered four acres of RKO's Encino Ranch and included 75 stores and buildings, a main street, a factory district, and a large residential and slum area. So it's, it really is like a, it's like a town. Uh, Main Street was 300 yards long, three whole city blocks. 
can you imagine having all that like all that open land to be able to do that back then like no. obviously you can't do that now but like imagine like all this open land to be able to build a set and tear it down after <laughs> right and it's just for one movie right. that didn't do that well originally right um next one is uh despite being set around christmas the film was filmed during a heat wave it got so hot that frank frank capra gave everyone a day off to recuperate and i was thinking of that um i read that fact before i rewatched it and then i'm watching them all walk, walk around like these like wool suits and whatever I'm like oh my god they must have been dying <clears throat> uh lionel barrymore convinced james stewart to take the role of george bailey despite his feeling that he was not up to it soon after returning from world war ii so kind of like that scene you just mentioned um Steven Spielberg often cites this film as one of his favorite movies of all time. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the last one I have is uh, James Stewart's performance as George Bailey is ranked number eight on Premier Magazine's 100 Greatest Performances of All Time. That was in 2006, so I don't know how it's changed, but quite the, quite the classic performance. Yeah. What did you have for stuff that wouldn't fly in today's environment? I didn't have anything, but what you mentioned before was like the crest of grabbing and all that. I guess like I could definitely see that as being like if you don't understand how old Hollywood works back then, you might be like, okay, what the hell is he doing? He's super aggressive, which you know he may have been, but in this case, I like you said, I think just old Hollywood films to see That's overly exaggerated, dramatic, right? The the dramatic love and makeout scenes. So I, I I honestly didn't find anything that offensive right now. Yeah, the only thing I mean, I wouldn't. People wouldn't find it a find it offensive because the person it was supposed to make the other person look bad, and he was, um, he realized it was the wrong thing to do right after. But when the pharmacy guy slapped George, oh, I know, yeah, that was that was tough because because I mean, it was just a, a little kid, and I'm sure they tried to fake it. But I was I was also kind of like I don't know, old school Hollywood. I feel like he probably just slapped that kid. He probably did. But yeah, no, I agree. It's it's classic for a reason timeless for a reason um one thing that i noticed was well this will tie into my favorite scene <clears throat> so that's what we i'll talk about my favorite scene in the film first um i really like the scene where all the townspeople show up to give what they can and help george out um and it felt like a message it, it felt very current with like helping out small businesses and taking care of your neighbor and stuff, something that we, that a lot of people talk about, but a lot of people don't really do. And to tie into things that wouldn't age well, but this did age well, is one of the women that walks in to give him money was an African-American woman, which I thought that was, I don't know if they had, were, were, were thinking about this or whatever, but I thought it was cool. Cause I bet you a lot of movies back then didn't really even think of the fact that an African-American man or woman but especially a woman would have money to give right. to help someone so i thought that was pretty cool but what was that what was your favorite scene i have three on here i love the scene when he first he's married to school dance after all these years and they're dancing around time and the floor opens up underneath them and instead of like having that like ruin their moment they embrace it and they still like they're dancing in the water and having a fun time and then everyone else jumps in love that scene do you know that that's that's a real that gym I, re- I didn't school. write this down it's a real school and that yeah. gym is still i don't know i assume that they have it like sealed up so that can't happen again hopefully but um no that, that was a super cool scene and that was a very like it was a ro- reminder that you're in uh like old hollywood with the dance and everything like that yes. so i was at the same time i was like hey they almost went in the water like three 
three times before they actually dig on the water. Like, I understand George is hard of hearing, but could someone be like, hey, buddy, hey, buddy, and like tap him on the shoulder or something? But anyway, sorry, go ahead. Um, I love the scene when I'm trying to keep the business alive by giving the honeymoon money to hold everyone over right until that clock starts. I think it was five o'clock. Um, but I love this because it shows, it's like, we already, we already know George is a giving person. He's always helping his brother out, his family out. But this thing right here, the fact that him and his wife are giving away their honeymoon money to keep the business alive and to help others is such an awesome scene. And kind of ties into what you were saying before about like small businesses and like supporting the little guys. And scene karma. Is like a, yeah, and karma, right? Exactly. Yep. The scene's like, it's so, such, such an important scene in the, in, in the film. Yeah, and I, I, I think of like local businesses. Like I think one of the ones that I think of is, is Joe and I know a, a, a coffee shop in our town uh, Aziz and Caldi's and there's been a couple times where I'll go into Caldi's and I'll I'll like forget my wallet or whatever and he'll be like don't worry about it I got come back come back tomorrow and like he just because he, he knows I'm going to come back tomorrow and then I'll pay him like double plus more the next day and it's kind of just like I don't know supporting supporting a local business because they support you if you if you go into Starbucks and you're like oh I forgot my wallet they're going to be like, well, you don't get your coffee. You know what I mean? Like, no, right. it's not a shot on Starbucks or at Starbucks. It's just, that's why you should always go to places like Caldi's and stuff. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And then my final uh, scene to share is obviously the final moments of the film. It, I love when he realizes how much life means to him and how much he means to everyone else. It's such an awesome moment. And it always, once he runs back home, he sees everyone coming in with all the money to help him um, get over the debt. It always, always, always makes me like a little emotional in the end there. But it, every year I watch it, I always get emotional in the same scene. It's insane. Like, I don't know yeah. how they do it, but nothing changes. I know it's going to come, but I still get really, really mm-hmm. emotional about it because it's such a beautifully done scene. No, it so. is. I, I can second that with in a, in a different way. So as we transition, if you could change one thing, I feel like it's, it's like blasphemy to critique this one. This is one of the ones where it's tough to you almost hesitate to say anything bad about it but to tie into what you just said my criticism of this is it takes a long time to set up the you know the the good stuff at the end like it's you're like 50 minutes in before the bank closes or whatever and then it's a little bit longer before some other some more bad stuff and i do feel like they could have trimmed some not just something out of that or move stuff around and they're giving us more good stuff at the end. So just to follow up on what you just said, I rewatching it was kind of like, okay, okay, pick it up. Like I was kind of waiting for it to go. But then at the end, the the high is so high that you're you forget about it. You're like, all right, it was worth it. But George is down to the dumps for like a long time. It's kind of like, all right, I get it. It starts off good and then he gets the crack picked out of him for like an hour and a half or an hour. And, and I remembered it differently. I thought it was, I thought it was good for a short bit, then bad for a little, but then the redemption, the lesson learning part was way longer than it was. And it's not. So that's what I would change. If I could change, if I had to change something, I feel like they could have trimmed out some of the time before the redemption and maybe either, either trimmed it out entirely and made it a little bit shorter movie or keep it the same length and, make the high at the end the, the redemption a little bit longer what about you what would you change yeah i kind of went against what you just said i do agree with like i do wish like the message kind of like when we talk about nick's nuts obviously i can compare the two of them but i wish the message in that movie was a little bit 
um, it was embedded earlier on. I, I get what you're saying with this one. I do wish that high high was kind of we had a little more time with that to spend with the family as like, you know, because we seem so down for a long time. It'd be nice to get some happy moments with them. Um, but what I put is this movie tells a story of George Bailey. And after watching this year after year, I'll be watching it twice this year. Um, like I mentioned before, I think all the scenes are necessary to better know George and the characters around him that affect him. So because of that, I wouldn't change anything um, as this film is a classic because of all the scenes surrounding the story. So I put that before you, what you just mentioned, but I do see what you're saying when it comes to having more of that high, high in the end, instead of just the last like five minutes. But- yeah, it doesn't even, you don't even have to make the movie shorter, I guess, if you made the payoff longer. Yeah, but if you were saying. If you were going to talk about something to trim, do you think they could have taken out some of the Violet Bick stuff? I think so. I, I think I, I like the temptation that he always might always, he might have, we never, never acts right. on it. So like, I, she throws himself at him multiple times and he constantly is like, you know, he's like, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't get tempted. So I love the fact that he's able to, unlike Alan Rickman, for example, from last episode, we see yeah. him like go on that road, but um, George doesn't, which I, I think those scenes kind of shows his character really well that's fair no i agree um so sorry did you have anything else you, no 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 you, nope. okay okay cool the one other thing i thought was ridiculous is uh george's <laughs> brother's uh his, his brother harry's sledding accident who did not see that coming they're like <laughs> <laughs> there's this giant break in the ice that's right in the line right at the path yeah no and, one cared back then but they're just all rebels <laughs> but you don't put you don't put one of your buddies like standing kind of near that. So like, hey, if anyone's going through, like, try to grab him by the coat as he goes by. It was like, if it was it was just bound to happen. Like you you know. But I was I was. It sounds weird, but I was laughing. I was like, come on. Um. So we didn't talk about this. I'll get my score first. So, um, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that this is the part where we give our scores and we rate movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie? So a score of one is you get a few minutes in, you think that Harry's sledding accident is just too ridiculous and you turn it off because you're like, this is, this is so stupid. All the way up to the score of five, which you're going to keep the movie an extra day or two or three to watch on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, maybe even just buy it from the video rental store because you like it so much, you love the messaging. Um, so again, score of one is low, score of five is high. And my score, I think this is a classic. It, it kind of delivers all the classic holiday messages and at the end of it you feel awesome you feel it feels like christmas is the best way not material not about money um before the end it really reminds you about how like puts everything in perspective having nothing to do with the holidays like that stuff like bills and little fights and stuff like that they're not worth you know don't let it ruin your day and it put it just it just it reminds you what's really important your friends your family your health um I love all the Hollywood vibes and the imperfections. Like I said earlier, there were even a couple edits where you can tell that they, it was like they spliced in take one and take two, and it's not super smooth. And I like that because it's just, it was a different time. Jimmy Stewart's the best, the dance floor and the, the dance scene on the, on the pool was, was awesome. Um, my one criticism of it is I didn't find it as rewatchable as some other films. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But just talking about, we always say that we we judge movies on how much we like them and how rewatchable they are. I don't know that I want to rewatch this again this year. I'd love to watch it every year, but I don't know. So I say that 
I like this one a lot, but when I factor in rewatchability, it's just not perfect. So I gave it a 4.5 out of five. And the fact that I have to say all that to defend a 4.5 out of five. No, is, that's, 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 no, that's going to show how tons of movie is. Like that's exactly. right. Exactly. 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 You're like, I'm like hesitant to give it like an A instead of an A plus. So what about you, Joe? What's your, what's your score? I think you're right now. Like this, I, I hate to give two fives so close to each other, but I really do watch this movie every year. I'm watching, it, like you just mentioned, I'm watching it again like tomorrow night. So like I can watch this movie all the time. And it's come to the point where it's fun because my family and I have seen us, we've always seen it so many times. We just like kind of narrate as it goes along now. So it's like a fun, like the one movie we all, we all watch together each year. Um, but it's wonderful life is the film that a lot of people kind of associate the definitive Christmas film with, um, Everything from the actors to the memorable dialogue to the directing, it all works. It's Thomas and tells a beautiful story about this character, George Bailey, who might not always be the perfect man, but did his best to help people who were in need, even when he was kind of deep down and not asking for help, like we like we mentioned with the whole high moon sequence. How he was obviously kind of in trouble there, but he was just doing what he could to help all others. And the message showing how one person can affect so many others and how beautiful life can be makes us a special one and like you said it's doesn't feel like a christmas film all the way through but the ending really does kind of make it super memorable so this is a perfect film in my opinion five out of five five out of five awesome so um such a night double ipa from zero gravity brewing is delicious i'm still drinking it right now um definitely check that out if you have any really any i'm at the point where if a brewery's in vermont and I'll try their beer. It's the, Vermont's like the beer capital or one of the beer capitals of the country right now. So I should know that. Oh yeah. You can't, you can't drive through a town in Vermont without finding, well, no, you can, but there's so many, if you look at a list of like the top breweries in the country, so many of them are in Vermont and Maine. Um, so follow us on Instagram worth a late fee. So worth a late fee, not worth the worth a suggestions are always welcome. We'll be back next week and we're kind of going back to the past couple picks. Joe and I have really known what's going, but Joe doesn't know what I'm going to pick next. And my first selection of the new year is still kind of a Christmas movie, but it's not, it's a, it's a not so Christmassy Christmas movie. And it's from the two thousands, which is going to be one of the changes we're making in the podcast going forward. We're going to be doing movies from 2000 or 2010, just because it's, I think it's a, a few reasons. A it's a, decade that both joe and i were in high school which is like a big time for movies it's also the decade where we worked in the the rental store um so we're super familiar with the films from that decade and i don't think it gets a ton of attention i think everyone focuses us included up until now on the 80s and 90s so my next pick is from 2008 like i said it's kind of sort of a christmas movie and it's in bruges so oh my god i love okay yeah, this is this is one this is one that I've been waiting to do. I have a few movies that I've been waiting to do for a while, but unlike Joe, I was playing by the old rules where we were sticking the eighties and nineties, and so I wanted to do it, but I couldn't do it. So now that we're doing the two thousands, I'm like I'm pumped to do it, and I'm pumped to watch it with my wife. She's never seen it, so oh nice. I didn't go too far off the off the uh, year. I I kept it close. I kept it close. <laughs> well, now it's, the rules are strict. Now you get one birthday pick. I'm saying it on, on, on air. So it's, so it's, it's on record one birthday pick. You can pick whatever you want. And other than that, we're doing 2000 except 2000 for Christmas, death. except for Christmas. And fine, fine. If you want to do a okay. Christmas movie. Okay. That's okay. okay. All right, guys. Now that we're done bickering uh, on the <laughs> podcast, thank you guys very much for listening. And we'll be back next week with in Bruges.
as always, thank you and have a nice holiday break. Stay safe. Yes. Yes. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Whatever you celebrate, have have fun with your family. Happy holidays, everyone.